Good evening, or maybe good morning, or maybe good afternoon. Um, uh, tonight here at the Abbey, we're going to continue with reviewing um, from Volume 2, The Library of Wisdom of Compassion that His Holiness and Venerable Children wrote. And we're on uh, the foundation of Buddhist practice. That's Volume 2. And tonight we'll review Chapter 5 which is relying on spiritual mentors. So we'll start with just settling the mind for a minute, and then I'll set a motivation, and then we'll begin. So I've been thinking what it would be like to uh, be experiencing this uh, pandemic time without uh, having the Dharma. But I think my mind would be quite a mess, actually. And so when we think about all of the teachings that the Buddha gave, um, to work with adversity, to mm, keep a kind heart no matter what is happening. We are very well supported. However, the Buddha is not on this earth right now, and so all of the teachings that we get come through our spiritual mentors. If we're left on our own, um, at least I would say for myself, my understanding would be very superficial. And so teachers unpack the depth and beauty of the Buddha's teachings so that we can practice properly. And when we do that, then we transform our hearts, our minds, we progress on this beautiful path all the way to full awakening. And then, of course, at that stage, we are able to help all others in the most excellent way. So let's keep that motivation in mind as we uh, share uh, the Buddha's teachings tonight. So it would be much more interesting if we could have some interaction um, instead of just one mouth up here yakking all the time. So I invite you to um, uh, share. And then, too, we can learn from one another. Um, we all have uh, teachers and experiences, and uh, so we can learn from one another. Mm. 
so one of the things I love about um, this path is how the Buddha taught precisely how to practice to accomplish what he accomplished. It's not vague. It's not, um, you know, hidden information. It's right there. And um, so if I just open to that and follow it, then transformation happens. Um, And there's not so many things in this world that have that quality. So I uh, looked at uh, Geshe Sopa's book, uh, his volumes of uh, steps on the path to enlightenment. And he wrote some things about relying on spiritual mentors. And uh, he started with saying that the Tibetan terms for spiritual teacher, and I can't pronounce this, um, Jiwa, I don't know, Shenyin, is that close? Probably not. (laughs) Anyhow, there's only two or three people in here that know (laughs) how far off I am. So, Uh, but it means virtuous friend or noble friend, but it's often translated as spiritual friend. And he says that the spiritual friend is called the root of the path because your teacher is the foundation of all the stages that follow. It is through your spiritual teacher that you can eventually attain the different levels of the path. This is the first most important ground of practice. He also quotes uh, a brief quotation from Atisha who says, the person who abides in the lineage should rely on a holy spiritual friend. And then he unpacks that a bit. He said, in other words, anyone who has the ability to practice the Mahayana path should rely upon a spiritual teacher. The verse uses the Tibetan term to practice the Mahayana path. Oops, sorry. The verse uses the Tibetan term rig, which can be translated as lineage or Buddha nature. In the Mahayana, this term generally means that every sentient being has the seed or the propensity to attain Buddhahood. Everybody has Buddha nature, but usually that propensity is dormant. Here it refers specifically to those whose propensity has awakened so that they have generated an interest in practicing the Mahayana path. He goes on to quote uh, Geshe Potawa, who said, In order to obtain liberation, there is nothing more important than the teacher. Although you may be able to do the activities of this life by watching others, without a teacher you will not do them well. How can someone who has just arrived from the bad migrations get to a place they have never been without a teacher? You require a teacher to show you how to do even ordinary activities like cooking, sewing, carpentry, or cleaning. Someone must teach you how to do them the first time or the work will not be done properly. So I looked up the definition of rely in Webster's Dictionary 
And the definition of rely is to have confidence based on experience. And so that certainly is uh, apropos for this uh, conversation. So to rely on spiritual mentors, this is having confidence in them based on experience. So we first investigate the teachers we hear. Vinabhachuni covered this last week in the review, Choosing Spiritual Mentors. It seems like we're often drawn to those who teach in a way that we can understand and perhaps that we have a karmic connection to. And of course, as Vinabhachuni uh, taught last week, it's so very important that we evaluate the teacher. I think the best advice I ever heard in regards to choosing a teacher is not only looking at their ethics, but also look at their students and the people around them. How are they all practicing? And you can get a lot of information about that, about the teacher, by looking at those that are around them. And then after we've chosen a teacher, then we build our relationship with our teachers over time. It's not something that happens immediately. It involves developing trust and training our minds in terms of what to focus on when relating to them. And so I'll read some from the book. So this, this section is called Cultivate Trust by Seeing Their Qualities. We rely on our spiritual mentors in two ways, through our thoughts and our actions. Relying on them through our thoughts entails cultivating two attitudes, trust and faith in our mentors, which are developed by reflecting on their good qualities and appreciation and respect for them, which arise from reflecting on their kindness to them. Faith moistens our minds and makes it receptive. It also energizes us to accomplish our goals. So think about it for a minute with your teachers. How have you specifically developed trust in your spiritual teachers? What are some of the ways that you've used? How has that happened over time? I think I've tried to pay attention to what I'm hearing them teaching me. And then when I watch them in their life, on their actions and their speech, are they lining up or is there some sort of disparity? Mm-hmm. So walk in their talk is a yep. really good indicator for me. Yep. Yeah, walk in their talk. Um, if I put in practice what they teach and it works for me, so if they're if what they teach helps me, then I use that as a way to increase my confidence and reliance in my teachers. The first step was what was what Benabo Nima said about if I put the teachings into practice and it helps me, then there's trust. But also I think there's there's times when I seek personal guidance from the teacher and there I'm met with kindness or understanding or support or um, directive straight and and I see the benefit from that then the trust grows from that personal interactions as well where um, my sincere wish to grow or to seek help is met with receptivity and Mm -hmm. the guidance that 
even if it's unpleasant at first, to hear it mm -hmm. directs me in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the relationship with their other students and how they work with them when they're going through difficulties mm -hmm. is, is it kind? Is it compassionate? Is it wise? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really observing at first, yeah, yeah. And then having the courage to open and to reveal ourselves to our teachers is kind of seems like the next step. Um, and to, you know, just have the courage to do that. And to me, that courage and trust is based on that we have watched them and seen, like Venerable Semke said, they are walking their talk. And so because of that, then I can trust and I can go forward with opening myself to them and revealing, you know, what my struggles are, what my mind is doing, what my difficulties are, um, so that then I can get some guidance and help. So they continue with, trust is generated by reflecting on our teacher's qualities and the role they play in our lives, which is similar to the role the Buddha would play if he were alive today. Our spiritual teachers play a singular role in our lives, for they are the ones who teach, guide, and encourage us along the path. Through their actions, they evince or demonstrate the conduct of realized beings. Without their compassionate assistance, it would be extremely difficult for us to cultivate wisdom and to progress toward awakening. The more we practice, the closer we become to our mentors' minds and the Buddha's mind, strengthening and increasing our faith in the teachings and by extension in those who teach and guide us. So does anybody have an example of how they've seen their mind transform so that it's closer to their teacher's mind? You want to have us revealing today everything, huh? I want you to <laughs> reveal everything today. Venerable <laughs> Children is an excellent example of um, showing us, sharing with us um, how she worked with her mind, with her afflictions, challenges. And that gave me an example also how to work with my mind. And, mm, you know, like, for example, the issue of anger. Mm -hmm. um, she explained very well that she did not think she had anger and then she got exposed to it and, you know, had uh, really to work on it to overcome it. And mm -hmm. so that was a good example for me also to look because I also did not see anger so clearly in me. And, mm -hmm. Um, but her example gave me courage to look into it and also try to work with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something very powerful in a teacher who reveals their struggles and what they've worked with so that, you know, we can see that, oh, their mind was exactly like mine is now. So that, again, trust. They've been there. They know about it. Uh, then I'll go on. So by reflecting on our teacher's qualities, ethical conduct, kindness, meditative abilities, and so on, we will have a positive view of them. Now, if we don't 
reflect on the teacher's qualities of ethical conduct, kindness, meditative abilities, and so on, then we won't have a very positive view, actually. You know? So to really, again, you know, what the Buddha taught, if we don't practice it, then we're not going to get the result and we're going to have difficulty with... um, having the trust and confidence to rely on them. Our trust and inspiration will increase and our minds will be receptive to their teachings. And this is not blind faith. Why is it not blind faith? For me, it's a work in progress. But the more I can differentiate between what is the Dharma and what is conventionally worldly things, and that in the Dharma, that continuously the, the teacher con- teaches as what the Buddha has taught, and that conventionally the teacher can make mistakes mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. and to not impute perfection on everything. Yeah. Then I can, you know, um, what was your word for it? That is not blind faith. Yeah, not blind faith. Because then there is no confusion in my mind when I see the teacher make a mistake. For example, if it's 30 degrees and she says it's 35. Mm-hmm. And I can say that that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to have a blanket like he or she knows everything. Yeah, 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 to impute perfection on them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so for me to be able to do that has been a long process yeah. of, mm-hmm. you know, because we're sometimes told, um, sometimes there is that kind of your teacher is a Buddha, and I personally do not see my teacher as the Buddha. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 well said. Yeah. So, yeah, why it's not blind faith, because there's reason to hold this person in high regard and have confidence in their ability to guide us on the path. So there's reasons that we have faith. But again, it's not uh, blind faith. It's not, mm, like Venerable Pema was saying, thinking that they're perfect. Mm. His Holiness goes on to say, um, however, if we don't use our capacity for critical thinking to contemplate the reasonings proving emptiness, and instead employ it to analyze the faults of our spiritual mentor, we put ourselves in a very precarious position of possibly angrily cutting off the relationship with our mentor and abandoning Dharma practice. We are the ones who suffer the most should this happen. The benefit or loss that accrues to us in our relationship with our spiritual mentor depends on which qualities we choose to focus. So it's interesting when our teacher is in front of us, if we think that they're going to do it all, and we're looking for them to, you know, do everything, then we're not paying attention to how our mind is reacting to what they're actually doing. And so then we can start criticizing, we can start doubting. Um, 
So it's really important that we keep the what the onus on relying on our spiritual mentor in a clean, clear way right here. And I think sometimes what helps me when I get kind of with this expectation is that I say to myself, my teacher's sole purpose is to lead me to awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about personalities. It's not about mm-hmm. stroking me. It's about getting me kicking and screaming sometimes on that path. And so yeah. when I can look at it like that, then mm-hmm. all the little things where we disagree or we see things differently or they whatever they do, it's, it, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what they're really doing for me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I and it depersonalizes a lot of what I perceive as very personal interactions. Yep. Is that it's training, yep. it's directive, it's yep. guidance. It's not, yep. you know, yep. personality stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Ooh, lots of hands. Phil <laughs> There's a few questions online. Uh, the first one is, um, if you don't have the possibility to meet a teacher. Um, so I guess that you're interacting with a teacher through online teachings like this. Mm-hmm. Do you have to ask the teacher to be your spiritual mentor, or can you just assume that he or she is your teacher, even if you have not met him or her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we decide who our spiritual mentor is. And then, you know, if you want to, um, you know, introduce yourself and say that or, you know, write that or something to make a connection, you can do that. But we're the ones that make that decision after we have spent some time seeing if um, they're qualified. Uh, you know, that's important to do. And then someone else asks, this subject is confusing to me because it seems unlikely that we would have a chance to get to know our teachers outside of their books or talks unless this happens in long retreats? Um, yeah, I don't think that's... I think you can get to know your teacher. You have to put effort into it. It's not something that just all of a sudden happens, you know, in the mind. You have to put effort to it. So when I met my teacher, I went where she was teaching. Um, When she was going to move away to Missouri, for heaven's sakes, (laughs) I thought long and hard that I should go there, and I didn't want to go there. And thankfully, she didn't stay there very long, and she came back to this side of the country. But I, I had to go where, and it's not convenient, but... You know, if I want to have a relationship with somebody who has more knowledge than me and who takes their role seriously, a spiritual teacher is there for the long haul. A qualified spiritual teacher will be by your side up until Buddhahood. That's what they sign up for. So that takes a lot of responsibility from my side to stay engaged, to work with my mind, to get clear about how to relate to that person. And it's a process over time, just like Venerable Pema said. It's not something that happens immediately. It's taking layers and layers off of uh, wrong views and um, 
all the confusion about authority and, you know, many different things that we have to um, look at. Yeah, Vinamachini? I think um, somehow the idea of getting to know the teacher is different from what we might usually hold. It's like we're not all going to go out and have coffee and yeah. tea together. I, I, I mean, I think about His Holiness as, my, as, as one of you know my principal teachers too. I've never met His Holiness, mm-hmm. but I've made effort to get there, and I've seen him, and I've been around him, and mm-hmm. I've you know I follow his teaching. So, do I think I have a sense of who His Holiness is? Yes. Yeah. And does he teach me personally, me thousands and thousands of others, but it's up to me to take his advice personally mm-hmm. when he gives a teaching. So yeah. I, I think that's where we get confused. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not like just having a buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what does a relationship actually mean? Yeah. 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 I think, too, if it's a, you know, a qualified spiritual mentor is always trying to benefit people, so they'll be running many volunteer projects or whatever, so that's how you get to know your teacher. You offer yeah. service, yeah. you interact with everybody on that project, or the teacher might be working on that project, and you yeah. just get to know them that way. Yeah. 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 Oh, the other thing I was thinking about in relation to, I mean, it's really important to reflect on the teacher's good qualities and be very clear that their motivation is to help you get awake. And because part of that process is they will point out our self-centered thought. Yes, That's my experience. And yes. it's hard. Yes. And they're going to point out your faults. Yes. And they're the only people who have the courage to do yes. this with a lot of kindness. They're not yes. shaming you, humiliating you. Yes. But honestly, every time before I meet with Venerable or even... Into, I always prepare my mind. <laughs> yeah. Because at any time, she's, yeah. I feel she's always checking. Yep. Like, oh, you know, yep. and I got to yep. hold my mind still yep. and check like, ah, am I seeing something through this interaction that I'm yep. not aware of? Yeah, 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 yeah. In this part that you um, was reading, mm-hmm. that we need to use our capacity for critical thinking mm-hmm. to really look at um, and the, in the teachings that His Holiness did a couple of days ago, Thursday um, morning for him, evening for us, he modeled how to relate to these kind of teachers. Well, not like his living teachers, but he talked about uh, where uh, looking at the, the writings of Basubandhu and Dignaga Dhammakirti, and that you know that they, their view is the lower view. And to be respectfully that this is not the view I follow. Uh-huh. And to be very clear about that. And how Lama Salingpa holds the Chittamatra and Lama Tisha, you know, still retreated him as his foremost guru. And so, so to be able to be very clear, um, and for me, it, it, it's a continuous study of the Dharma yeah. to know what is, you know, what, what is it that yeah. I need to yeah. put into my life mm-hmm. and then without losing respect if I disagree yes and to respectfully disagree yes and that requires so much strength like it's not yeah. it's not easy yep. I mean I've not found it easy and still not finding it easy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and to um to recognize that our teachers meet us where we are. They don't expect 
us to have the highest view when we don't. They meet us where they where we are, and they they nudge us along with what we can understand. Um, and if we come with a lot of ego or, um, um, you know, that we think we know, they help us see that we don't know <laughs> very clearly. <laughs> this conversation is helping me to see how relating to the teacher is a Dharma practice within itself. It's not like a the kind of relationships I think that we're used to having with other human beings. Yeah. yeah. This is a very deliberate yeah. and it requires I'm thinking it may be the relationship that requires the most effort that we've ever had in our whole life. Mm-hmm. And so for it to go I think well, we would probably want to be very deliberate in in cultivating, you know, how like you said how we see them, how we interact. It's not mm-hmm. I found myself wanting something kind of casual because I feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm close to somebody, I want to, I feel relaxed or mm-hmm. I want to feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I, that hasn't really been happening with venerable yeah. children. And so I'm starting to yeah. see like, this is not going to be a sit back kind of relationship. This is going to be yeah. difficult. Yeah. Work your butt. I mean, difficult in terms of effort, yep. putting forward a lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I'd like to see it as part of, practice you know it's, yeah. it's not like yeah. does she like me does she not like me it's, yeah. it's not yeah. about that kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah so two things i think about that what you just said one is that pretty early on it was very clear to me that venerable children doesn't have much attachment and when i'm relating to her i'm relating through the eyes of attachment and it keeps falling flat and it's like and like you you know it's not casual it's like she's not hooking. She's not biting to what I'm doing. You know, it's like, what? And so then it starts dawning on us that I have a lot to, a lot of work to do. That's why it's so hard, because I need to transform. Not her so much, me. So it has to, I have to look here. Not at what she's doing, but what I'm doing. And that's not our usual way, you know. If it doesn't go well, we start pointing out the faults, you know, of the other. And that is not going to help me. I know how to do that very well. I've done that much of my life. It's not helpful. Uh, They go on to write, uh, We may have more than one spiritual mentor. It is up to us. Atisha had over 140 mentors. Can you imagine? Gosh. And uh, Drom Tumpa had less than five. Since it is important to have a positive regard for our teachers, if we have an extremely critical and judgmental mind, it may be better to have fewer teachers. (laughs) Don't you love that? (laughs) Then they go on to say, uh, having faith and respect for teachers sitting on high thrones whom we seldom see is easy. Why is that? Project whatever we like. Yeah. 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 
it is much more challenging to appreciate the teacher who gives us daily or weekly Dharma teachings and to whom we offer service. We tend to treat that mentor like an old friend and cease to appreciate his or her qualities and kindness because we may easily start to criticize his or her habits and stop listening to their advice, we must take special care in our relationships with the teachers we see often to ensure that our attitude and behavior do not sabotage this most precious relationship. So I think what Vinabha Damsho said was when you go and meet your teacher, you um, hold your mind steady. You And I think this is why, because on some level they're so familiar if you are near them a lot. And you can get, I can get, I'll speak for myself, I can get sloppy. And so um, when I get sloppy around my teacher, um, that gets pointed out. And that doesn't feel so good. So I don't want that. <laughs> so instead, I pay attention to how I'm uh, relating, how I'm approaching, what I'm looking for, what's up in my own mind. And oftentimes, if it's something like, you know, any of the eight worldly dharmas, I want to have praise or I want them to think that I'm the best student or all of that, I have to work with that in my own mind or else it bleeds out. And then that's how I'm relating. And then that's not going to fly because this is a qualified teacher. Hmm? So after I just uh, reviewed this chapter again, what came so clear to me is that the work is here. The work is here. And oh, that gets lost so easily. The work is here. So to prepare my mind if I'm going to go and talk to my teacher or interact with her or him in any way. The work is here. Since we learn by observing the example uh, of others, since we learn by observing the example of others, reflecting on our teacher's positive qualities will inspire us to make an effort to develop them ourselves. So what are some positive qualities that our teachers have? What's some examples? What does that mean? Joy, kindness, diligence. Mm -hmm. There's qualities Venerable Chudan very, for me, very clearly demonstrates and uh, is a mirror for me to see when, uh, see her steadiness in that. Mm -hmm. Always coming in, smiling, joy, mm -hmm. presenting like that in, in a mm -hmm. way that is stable, inviting, friendly, uplifting. Mm -hmm. um, my mood isn't so stable. <laughs> so yeah. it's, a, some, yeah. it's a, something, a model for me that I aspire in that way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think about often if my mind is um, disturbed by something or someone and I'm talking about that, always she brings the conversation back to be kind. Be kind. Think of bodhicitta. Always, no matter what it is. You know, she may agree that it's difficult or whatever, or people are not skillful or whatever, but always at the end of that, it always is, um, you know, uh, practice bodhicitta now. Here's the opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unwaveringly, yeah. 
The teacher's motivation is never to get praise, never to be liked, never to get presents, or whatever whatever my own motivations might be for almost everything I do. Um, I don't see that at all in, in the spiritual mentors that I rely on. Mm-hmm. And that I find um, that kind of courage and that kind of lack of attachment to the eight worldly concerns I find phenomenally inspiring. And uh, yeah, I mean, it has yeah. to be that way. Yeah, yeah. If we have the opportunity to live near our teachers and help them with various projects, we will witness Dharma lived in daily life by observing how our teachers treat people and manage a variety of situations situations judiciously and compassionately. Learning by observing a wise practitioner is a precious opportunity, one that cannot be gained by reading a book. So that is so important um, that we make a connection. And I, you know, I think even with nowadays, the way things are, especially the connections are often virtual, but still there's so much that you can get from a living teacher that you don't get from a book. Uh, We may be more comfortable with the information in books because that's what we've been conditioned to. But if we train ourselves again with this, uh, teaching of, you know, um, paying attention to their qualities, then that's how the teachings come so alive, what they put their focus on, Uh, you know. Whether or not our teachers are highly realized, we benefit by seeing them in a positive light. If we think someone is an ordinary person, even if he or she teaches us a profound topic, We may not listen or take their words seriously, but if we think an awakened being is teaching us, we will listen carefully and put the teachings into practice. In this way, trust and faith in our spiritual mentors supports us in our practice and uplifts us when we feel discouraged. So I think this important piece here is when we feel discouraged, we can look to where they are and see if we practice like they, we will um, uh, meet that same uh, example. We will be like them. And we will see, we'll have some trust and faith that our transformation will happen, just like it happened for them. The next session is uh, cultivate appreciation and respect by seeing their kindness. Countless Buddhas have appeared in the past, and of these, Shakyamuni Buddha is the kindest to us because he expounded the teachings in our world. Although we did not have the fortune to receive teachings directly from him or from the lineage of sages in India and Tibet that carried his word to the present day, our spiritual mentors act as messengers delivering these priceless teachings to us. Through their kindness, we have access to the vast and profound teachings that show us the path to awakening. Due to our teacher's kindness, we now have the opportunity to gain some Dharma understanding, leave positive imprints on our mind stream, and gain realizations. Although our parents and close friends love us and wish us well, they do not have the ability to lead us out of the morass of samsara. The kindness of our spiritual mentors, who alone have the knowledge and skill to guide us, is incomparable. 
I think not only do our parents or friends uh, that love us and wish us well, they do not have the ability to lead us out of samsara. If we are around them a lot, they pull us deeper into samsara. Um, and it's helpful to recognize that. Um, again, it's, it's here that I have to look at that. How is my mind affected when I am thinking about those that, you know, I love so much or, you know, I mean, that's our conditioning, but how does it affect me? And what are my goals? And what is meaningful to my life now? That has to be the conversation here. Um, Instead of maybe trying to... um, uh, switch out maybe a loved one with now a teacher. That is not going to work. That is not going to work. Because if we try to relate to them like we relate uh, to our family members or loved ones, it is not going to fly. It's not going to work. That's not how a teacher will relate to us, you know. And that's what Vinabukunga was saying, kind of that casual idea of, you know, I'm going to be their friend now, they'll be my friend, and then, you know, I'll have that teacher. That is not how it works. That's not what they do. Again, like I say, a qualified teacher does not function through the lens of attachment. And it's really important to remember that. The... uh, Tin Teaching Sutra, develop the following ideas with respect to your teachers. I have wandered for a long time through cyclic existence, and they search for me. I have been asleep, having been obscured by confusion for a long time, and they awake me. I have entered a bad path, and they reveal the good path to me. They release me from being bound in the prison of samsara. They are the rain clouds that put out my blazing fire of attachment. So can you think about an example uh, where your teacher helped you diminish your attachment? (laughs) I know it's painful. Be courageous. Well, she basically said I couldn't talk to my ex-partner ever again mm-hmm. in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here you're still here. That's so good. <laughs> you're very courageous. <laughs> yep. Yep. One of my teachers, basically in a group open teaching, and he asked me questions that I couldn't answer. Like he kept, and it's it was like. Yes, I I saw the amount that I have not studied, mm. mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, very painful. Mm-hmm. I think attachment to you know praise from the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, to other people's opinion of you, and yep. you know, like yep. yeah, yeah, yep. uh, he really showed how little I knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we think we're the great scholar, oh boy, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Without even one harsh words, yeah. you just ask question. Yeah. One, two, yeah. three, yeah. and it's like, don't know, I don't know, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. don't know, yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. I had a whole year of teachings on attachment. 
Do you have the courage to talk about that a I'm little bit? I'm going to leave or? it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still processing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, two things come to mind. I was telling a story at lunch. Um, I... When I first met Venerable Trojan, I was I went over to her and I wanted to flatter her. I was like, oh, such a beautiful monastery you have here. And she looked at me dead in the eyes and said, don't expect anything special from me. <laughs> <laughs> right away. <laughs> first words. Um, another situation mm. later on, I had this attachment to um, be a teacher in a different country. And she was like, I don't think you have a good motivation for it. You're going to be there for a few months and then abandon those kids. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you one that I found funny. <laughs> <laughs> one day she calls me into her cabin and gives me a fruit and says, show me how you cut this fruit or something like that. You know, because I was giving her fruit without, I don't even know what it was. Like I was giving her the fruit without a bowl or whatever. And then she says, is that what they teach you at Princeton? <laughs> there was a whole period she was on me where everything was, so that's what you learned at Princeton. And I just learned to be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do not move now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, huh? uh, let's see. Uh, there's so many, let me think. <laughs> Um, the thing that pops into my mind first, when I um, first came here, um, you know, like most of us, I come from a very attached family. That's all I know. And, you know, I wanted to go back and see him, go back and see him, go back and see him. And it's like, nah, you're not going anywhere, you know. And so, and, you know, it, it's like the first reaction is that, hey, I'm an adult. You can't tell me what to do, you know. That's what the mind thinks. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, why would you tell me that, you know? And then you start asking these questions and you start seeing the kindness of somebody. Like Vinva Damsho said, if I asked any of my friends, they'd say, oh, come on down, of course, come back quick, quick, quick. She has the courage to know what is going to help transform your mind and sticks with it, no matter what kind of fit I have in front of her. That's a teacher. That's a teacher. We don't get that anywhere else in our life. We surround ourselves by people that are going to support what we want. Yeah. Uh, thinking of the kindness of our teachers in this way, heartfelt gratitude, appreciation, and veneration will naturally arise for them. This joyful attitude removes obstacles and facilitates our practice. This joyful, I'm going to read that again. This joyful attitude removes obstacles and facilitates our practice. So it's kind of like, you know, at first you get the shock of what they're saying because it's so different. It's like, what? And then, you know, you start chewing on it a little bit, and it's like, oh, you're really kind to me, because I don't see these pitfalls, but you're, you're looking out for me. And then when you kind of accept that, it seems like you kind of drop into a place of, of um, 
Well, it's joy, but it's also, uh, I can relax a little bit now because she's got my back. She's looking after me. You know, not in a child, parent-child way, but in a, you know, I'm going to call you out if you get on the wrong path, if you get off the track a bit. She's, she's going to help me. It's still, the onus is still me, and it's my practice. But I've got another pair of eyes that has gone on the path further than me and so knows the pitfalls so much better than I know. You know, so like, you know, when like when we go and do our uh, full ordination to Taiwan, she gives us all this information so we, you know, don't fail and that we, you know, we don't make, uh, you know, fools of ourselves and that we actually can, you know, uh, maintain and, you know, learn and, you know, grow from the experience. So kind. Those are kindnesses. Uh, there's another um, quote here from the Array of Stock Sutra. Expresses the immense kindness of our spiritual mentors. The teachers are those who protect me from all miserable rebirths. They cause me to know the equality of phenomena. They show me the paths that lead to happiness and those that lead to unhappiness. They instruct me in deeds always auspicious. They reveal to me the path to the city of omniscience. They cause me to enter the ocean of the sphere of reality. They show me the sea of past, present, and future phenomena. And they reveal to me the circle of the Arya's assembly. The teachers increase all my virtues. Remembering this, you will weep. That's very beautiful. Let's see, now we're on page 108. And this section is seeing spiritual mentors as Buddhas. I'll say a little bit about this. Venerable has taught so much on this uh, in many places. Um, the teaching to see the spiritual mentor as the Buddha is borrowed from highest yoga tantra and is often taught earlier on the path to prepare disciples to receive tantric empowerments. However, this teaching is not appropriate for beginners because it is open to misunderstanding. And just to qualify what beginners means, I'm a beginner. I'm a very baby beginner. Sankapa's presentation of relying on a spiritual master in the Lamrim Chemmo is well balanced, and if we follow that, less confusion will arise. He says, Moreover, pay attention to the good qualities that the Guru does have, such as ethical conduct, learnedness, and faith, and reflect on these qualities. Once you have become conditioned to this, you may notice that your guru has a small number of faults. However, this does not impede your faith because you are focusing on the good qualities. Sankapa does not say to see our teacher's faults as good qualities or to see all his or her actions as perfect. So again, we really have to reflect on what expectations we're carrying about our teachers, 
what role we think they should play. It really is our practice, once we have settled on a teacher, is to focus on our minds, not not evaluating how the teacher is doing based on our judgmental habits. And this process is subtle, takes wisdom to see how we are thinking and how it is affecting our mind. Again, this goes back to trust. We have already assessed their good qualities and are following them. Now we keep turning to our own behavior. If we have taken a teacher after careful evaluation, then the judgmental mind has no place in our thinking. And it's poison. It's actually poison to the mind. Early on when I, this was still when um, Ben Wachodwin was still teaching in Seattle and I was pretty new and she taught something and she was um, uh, really pointing out uh, faults and habits and behaviors that I had that I didn't want to look at that were, that were very uncomfortable and um, really disturbed me and I, um, I got angry. I got angry. And I left the teaching and I thought, I remember saying to myself, you have to make a decision now. If this isn't what you want to hear, then leave and you're done. But if you stay, you can't let your mind criticize this person because you will pollute it, you will ruin it. And so right at that time then I said, as best I can, I'm not going to criticize when I'm getting poked by my teacher. Um, And that has been very beneficial. I think, I know for a fact, if I criticize, then I'm, I'm focused on them, not me, and I'm not going to progress. I'm not going to move forward. Because that's the same behavior I did much of my life. Didn't we all do that? Somebody says something we don't like, and we now, you know, think about all the things that was wrong about them and why they, you know, why it doesn't, it's, they shouldn't be saying those things to me, you know. So it, it, it doesn't fly. It doesn't... We're not, we're not relating to them as a teacher when we do that. Also to be avoided is idealizing our spiritual mentor. There is a Tibetan saying, a student who is too devoted makes the Lama into a hypocrite. Why is that? How would that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so we're expecting and exaggerating and um, really putting qualities on them that they don't have. And then, of course, they don't meet those. So that's idealizing them. They're perfect. You know, they never make a mistake. Um, that's not going to help us. You know? And really, that's attachment, isn't it? We do that. We've done that all our lives, you know? We fall in love with somebody and all we see are their good qualities and after a little while their qualities that aren't so skillful come very apparent to us and it's like, who are you? What, you know, why, how have you changed so much? They haven't changed at all. 
it's that we uh, are starting to see through our exaggerated lens, you know, to see how they actually are. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to do that with our teacher. The Lama cannot possibly live up to the glowing acclaim the disciple has spread about him or her in the community. Having an idealistic attitude sets us up for disappointment. It's impossible for anyone to continually fulfill all our unrealistic expectations. The measure of gaining proper reliance on the spiritual master is wholeheartedly appreciating their good qualities and not focusing on their weaknesses. In general, seeing the spiritual mentor as a Buddha is a form of useful and constructive imagination. In most cases, it is not a reliable cognizer. (laughs) Even though there are definitely ordinary beings and bodhisattvas among those who teach the Dharma, regarding our teachers as Buddhas, listening to their teachings, practicing accordingly and respectfully serving our mentors, enables us to be more receptive to teachings and wise advice and to experience many other positive results. The meditation to see our spiritual mentors as Buddhas is similar to the meditation to to imagine the entire earth covered with skeletons. Both involve imagination that is consciously cultivated and will have a beneficial effect on our minds. Ignorance is not the cause of imagining bones covering the ground. So this is not a wrong consciousness. We intentionally meditate in this way to derive benefit. In this case, the reduction of attachment to our body and to samsaric existence. Similarly, while our spiritual mentors may or may not be Buddhas, we benefit from thinking of them as such because it makes us listen attentively to their teachings and to take their Dharma instructions seriously. If our mind seizes every opportunity to find imperfections in our spiritual mentors, it is helpful to respect why am I he- to reflect, sorry, why am I here? It is not to notice my teacher's shortcomings, but to learn from their good qualities. This brings us back to the reason we are practicing the Dharma. And so we have to check in our own minds what is going to work. Everybody is so different, and we all have such different predispositions, you know, to see if you think about your teacher as the Buddha, if that messes with your mind and it doesn't get very clear and, you know, you start expecting perfection or it's confusing, then that's not the thing to do, you know, that's not the thing to do. The most important uh, uh, point here is that we focus our attention on their good qualities. And just think about that for a minute. When you have done that, when they have been teaching, it's joyful. It's joyful. That's what we want to do. And we can do that all the time. But that's my work. That's my work. The next session, section is about the role of devotion. A spiritual mentor is often said to be the root of the path. 
in that this relationship nourishes and stabilizes our practice. But just as a plant also depends on a seed, water, fertilizer, and warmth, we need additional conditions to grow in the Dharma, such as purification, accumulating merit, listening to teachings, cultivating renunciation, bodhicitta, and the correct view, and practicing the three higher trainings and the six perfections. That's a long list. That will take some lifetimes. If only respecting and serving our spiritual mentors were adequate for attaining awakening, the Buddha would not have taught a myriad of other practices. So it can't just be devotion. Relying on our spiritual mentors in our actions, having contemplating how contemplated how to rely on spiritual mentors through our thoughts, we now turn to relying on them through our actions. And there are three principal practices. First, we make material offerings to our spiritual mentors. Because of their qualities, kindness, and the important role they play in our lives, our mentors are potent objects with which we can create karma. By making offerings, we create great merit which we dedicate for the awakening of all sentient beings. From the side of the spirit side of spiritual mentors, the quality or quantity of offerings much, must not influence the diligence which, with which they guide uh, disciples. Geshe Sarawa, one of the 12th century Kadam Geshe's, said that a spiritual mentor who pays attention to the offerings he or she receives is not a suitable teacher for a disciple aspiring to full awakening. Second, we respect and serve our mentors, offering our time and energy to assist in their various projects to benefit others. Offering service also includes tending to their personal needs, such as cooking, cleaning, running errands, and caring for them when they are ill. And so everyone here is involved in serving our teacher. Hmm? But, you know, the question is, how often do you take delight in that? How often do you remember that that's what you're doing? Maybe not so much. Why not? Hmm? That's something that will gladden the mind, gladden the heart, um, get us in line with reality, help us see that we are worthy individuals. Look what we're doing. Very beneficial. The third one is uh, we offer our practice. So what does that mean? This is an important one. So I'll tell you. (laughs) So we offer our practice, meaning that we practice according to our mentor's instructions. How many times have we gone and asked about what to practice or whatever, and we have this idea in our mind, and... um, that gets shot down immediately, and we get this other thing. I have that has happened to me many times, and I don't want to listen to it. I, you know, I know, I know what I want, and did it, and you know, I don't know. I'm a baby beginner. I don't know anything. She knows, so she tells me, and so I open to that. And you know what my experience has been? I grow. I transform. So when I went on the um, three-month retreat last year, 
I didn't go to her for advice. You know, I've got this thought, well, you know, she's too busy, whatever. And um, I didn't go to ask her, is there something that I should be looking out for? Mm. And I'd never done this before. Mm. So it's been now over a year and a half. And the other day when I was walking around with her, I finally said, you know, Venerable, one of my biggest regrets was that I didn't come to you before I went and said, can you give me some guidance if my mind heads crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. And I said, I, that's one of my regrets. And she just looked at me with the, the kindest, most understanding eyes and just shook her head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We learn many different ways, don't we? <laughs> yep. I think another big lesson for me is understanding what that instruction is. And I think fundamentally it is to benefit sentient beings. Mm. But I get distracted by what else it sounds like, right? Like do X task that mm. I don't want to do. <laughs> mm. But if I can get behind like, this person is asking me to benefit sentient beings. That's yeah. why they're asking me to do this. Yeah. That yeah. I feel very uncomfortable doing or I think it's pointless. Uh -huh. And I really have to get my mind around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I think too, because this year I said, you know, when I can't do X, Y, Z, F, G, um, I feel like a total letdown because <laughs> I'm not following the instruction uh -huh. and I should just, I'm such a failure. But if I flip it around, no, the fundamental instruction is to keep good ethical conduct and benefit sentient yeah. beings. Yeah. If you come back to that, it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you get lost, if you come back to that, then you'll find your way again, always. Yeah, yeah. We must recall our teacher's instruction we must recall that our teachers instruct us for our benefit, not theirs. Wanting to progress on the path, we should listen to well to the teachings and then put them into practice so as not to waste either our teachers' efforts or our own time. Our spiritual mentor's kindness in teaching us and caring for us is like that of the Buddha toward his disciples. To benefit from our mentor's guidance, we should abandon all arrogance and competitiveness and be humble and receptive. With sincere aspiration to gain realizations, we should let go of all worldly distractions and focus intently on Dharma study and practice. In that way, we will gain realizations and become bodhisattvas and eventually Buddhas. I wanted to end tonight on um, the benefits of relying on spiritual mentors because um, it's very powerful, very powerful. So um, sometimes the term guru devotion is batted around too. Um, and that's very misleading, evoking the image of blindly surrendering to a holy authority, authority figure. And that is not the intended meaning. Again, spiritual friend, spiritual mentor, um, means to rely on or depend on. Uh, for our Dharma practice to be successful, we must properly rely on a wise and compassionate spiritual mentor and guide. And so here are um, the benefits. Our thoughts and words will become virtuous because we will follow our spiritual mentor's wise advice. For the same reason, we won't bring suffering on ourselves or others. We will complete the two collections of merit and wisdom and attain full awakening by following reliable teachings. 
we will be able to work for the benefit of sentient beings, including those who have entered wrong paths. Because our spiritual mentor teaches us how to purify our negativities, we will exhaust destructive karma that would have ripened in lengthy, unfortunate rebirths. It may instead ripen in this life as comparatively mild discomfort or harm. Due to the important role our spiritual mentors play in our lives, we will create great merit, more than is created by making offerings to limitless Buddhas. By properly relying on our spiritual mentors in this life, we will meet qualified spiritual mentors in future lives. Our good qualities will increase, and we will accomplish the welfare of ourselves and others. Under our teacher's compassionate guidance, we will feel supported and inspired in our practice. All of the benefits come about because we listen with an open mind to teachings from a qualified spiritual mentor and put them into practice. However, if we despise, disdain, or reproach our spiritual mentors, many disadvantages accrue, including unfortunate rebirths, experiencing harm and illness in this life, our good qualities will degenerate, and no good qualities will arise. In short, none of the advantages will accrue to us, while their opposites will. So we can see how powerful um, relying on a spiritual mentor is uh, to ourselves. And of course, also, if we rely properly on our spiritual mentors, then what they do in this world is huge. Venerable Children is doing what she's doing because we are supporting her in a proper way, you know? She would have many things that she wouldn't be able to do, uh, that she wants to do, just one person. So it's this beautiful interdependent uh, experience that benefits everybody. Okay. We've used our time. All right.